Hello, and welcome to How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. I'm your host, Megan Thompson, licensed clinical professional counselor and registered play therapist supervisor. We at MTC teach parents how to eliminate the daily meltdown and shutdown cycle for your sensitive children and teens. Highly sensitive children make up 15 to 20% of the population, according to research that has been gathered for over a century. And this podcast answers one question. How can you raise emotionally intelligent children? Stop walking on eggshells and help your child express their needs safely without punishments, yelling, or coddling. If you want to know the answer, you're in the right place. Hello, hello, Megan Thompson here with Megan Thompson Coaching, and we have our resident teen expert here, Autumn Brennan. Welcome. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Thank you, Megan, for bringing me on and chatting with me today. Can't wait to hear what we have to say. So excited about this conversation today. We're going to talk all about three myths about listening to your teen when they're yelling at you. So you guys know the drill. If you are parenting a teen who is shutting down, refusing, running up to their room, living their life in, in, in their screens, on their screens, uh, then this conversation is for you. Because here at MTC, we help parents eliminate that daily shutdown refusal cycle. And we do it by working directly with teens. And, and Autumn is one of our expert coaches our lead expert coach in our team program. So, so excited to bring more of the team to our show and Autumn gets to start the bill. We've known each other for how many years now? I don't know. Like a decade, it feels like. <laughs> it feels like a decade because we have <laughs> such similar expertise. It's been a little less than that. <laughs> but um, yeah, so so Autumn helps me run the show in both businesses, actually. And that's why uh, we're gonna we're gonna speak all about that here and, and her expertise understanding the adolescent brain. So the first myth that we want to break down when your teen is yelling at you, most people will think and, and hear, and you might be um, hearing from pediatrician or your friends, or even just jump into that conclusion with your spouse or co-parent is that, you know, myth number one is that when your teen is yelling at you, they're telling you how they really feel. And so I would love Autumn for, for us to just break this down for our audience today. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that we talk a lot about in our program is understanding how the brain works and how emotion works, right? We, you know, we kind of come from that philosophy that you have to understand what the problem is. You have to understand how something works really in order to be able to change it or to to fix it. Those words give me the EBGBs. And then when you join us, you're going to figure out why, Um, but, but to address it really. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, when we think about, um, you know, the idea that when your teen is angry, that they're telling you what they really feel. What, one of the things that we're making an assumption around is that when your teen is angry, they're in their conscious brain, that they are in control of what it is that they're thinking and they're saying in that moment. And we know anyone who works with, with any kind of, of, um, in any kind of field that addresses the nervous system, we know that when somebody is feeling an, an intense emotion and they their fight, flight, or freeze response has been activated, that the reality is no, 
They're not in control of what it is that they're saying. The words that are coming out of their mouth are not coming from a part of their brain um, that has thought this through or, or really has, you know, taken some time to put meaning behind it. Um, instead, the words that are coming out of their mouth in that moment are, are words that are in response to a threat. Right. And so they're, those words at that moment are meant to either push somebody away so that I can get away, flight, or they're meant to um, start a fight. Right. And so when we, we take a second and we think about this myth, just from your, from a perspective of um, your physiology, it really doesn't make sense. And so by, you know, looking at our teens and being like, well, you really meant that because you were mad and you just finally said it. Mm, it's not quite that simple. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes. And so as parents, it's so, so important that those of us are, who are raising teens, that we're noticing how we are responding to our, our, our teenagers, right? And, and this information might not seem new, but we really want you to look at it from a different angle because what we see so frequently is that when your teen is, is yelling at you and getting so frustrated that they are just dumping all of the problems right out in front of you, you can at that point feel so trapped in trying to figure out what problem to solve. And we see so many parents, we talked to so many parents over the years and, and even just now telling us that... that um, um, that they're they're trapped, literally like sorting through garbage when they're or sorting through vomit when their teen has vomited their whole you know worries, concerns, and and fears um, out in in uh, to, on the table right in, in that moment. So so Autumn, I want us to break down the parents that we work with. What do they really you know? What do they typically say in terms of how? Um, you know, how they're interpreting this experience, where they feel stuck, right? Because we know that you as our listener and, and, and um, those of you who might be watching this recording are right there with the families that we work directly with in, in terms of how people can get stuck. So what are one of the reasons why this, um, this process can feel so muddy? Well, you know, um, you're making me think of the old adage, um, sticks and stones may break my bones, but um, words will never hurt me, right? Yeah. It, that's baloney. We're just going <laughs> to take that and we're just going to throw it out, right? Yeah. Because, you know, nobody would argue with you that when a dog growls at you, your whole body goes, wait a minute, right? <laughs> it's, it's doing that because there's a vocalization, right? And that vocalization is indicating to your nervous system, hey, there's a problem. Mm -hmm. Hey, we need to pay attention. And, you know, that's no different than when your teenager is word vomiting. I like your, your reference there is word vomiting um, the emotion that, that is kind of building up inside of them, right? It's like an explosive action that they've got these words coming out. They're feeling threatened. And when that happens as a parent, your body feels threatened, right? And threatened on so many different levels. And so it's not even just on, on a single level of, you know, I can't believe that you're saying this to me, that's really hurting my feelings, but it mm -hmm. might be on a level of um, feeling powerless, feeling mm -hmm. helpless in that moment, because here's my kid, they're supposed to, supposed to, right? <laughs> We're going to do a lot of air quotes today. Um, you, you know, there's this assumption that they're, they're supposed to be obedient all of the time, right? Or that this is disrespect. They're doing this because they disrespect me. 
what's wrong with me as a parent? Why doesn't my child disrespect me? Or why is my child disrespecting me? Right. Mm-hmm. And so there's pain on the level of, I can't believe they're saying that I love this person and, and they're hurting me. There's pain on the level of what am I doing wrong? What's wrong with me? Right. And, and so the parent themselves starts to stack up their own emotion. And then there's the part that is not even part of your conscious thought, but just your body's response to another individual growling at you, right? Mm-hmm. And in your body's response to, wait a minute, am I going to be okay? Do mm-hmm. I need to, to, to bring out my fight or flight response? And so in that moment, it's so difficult as a parent to choose, where do I go from here? Because I'm mm-hmm. hearing, I'm hearing that, you know, my, my child is feeling out of control. They're not feeling safe. And it's also true. I'm having a lot of my own stuff come up and, and not because I'm doing something wrong, but because I'm human. Yeah. What do I do in that moment? Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're, that's what our program is about a hundred percent, right? We, we get back um, to the roots of these things and we take a second and we look at those questions. Mm-hmm. What do I do about that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What is my team really trying to say to me? So, you know, maybe we become a little bit of an interpreter in those moments. <laughs> right, right, right. And, and I think that's exactly it. Right. So when you, when you, are parenting your teen who's upset or frustrated with you, they get angry, they start yelling, they start telling you, quote unquote, how they really feel, which we just covered isn't really true. It's, I I want you to liken this to envisioning a tornado, right? So, you know, let's go straight to to Dorothy and Wizard of of Oz, if you will. And we see that in the, um, you know, in, in the movie where the, the witch is, ah, ha, 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 and, and then the, you see this lady like taking a bath and she's doing some weird stuff and, and you see the dogs and you see the furniture and all this and the tornado is just spinning and spinning and spinning. And if for you and your own emotional intensity are growing into a tornado and you're focusing on the things in the tornado, the words that you're, you're your teenager is saying, you will miss the whole piece that a tornado is happening. And so this is where two tornadoes collide and we see disaster. Parents say things that they don't mean, right? You might say, say, um, you might quote unquote, talk back to your teen, <laughs> you know, bite back um, and, and, and clap back as, as the kids used to say. <laughs> a couple of years ago. Uh, and that obviously doesn't get you anywhere. And then you have your own regrets, right? And so I really want to speak about this because myth number two is the fact that some some people, uh, some parents will believe and you might, might determine in that moment if your teen is saying things that, uh, okay, if they don't really mean it, then maybe they're just being overdramatic right? Maybe they're just trying to do send these zingers at me because they're trying to, um, to get back at me, right? And so let's talk about why that's not true either. <laughs> so I, um, I love this one. This one is, is one of my favorites, right? Because um, there's so much meaning to this, right? My teen is being overdramatic. Well, there's a couple of different layers to this. One, we know um, that some people experience emotions more intensely. We, we know this as a fact. Um, they have the research, they have the data to prove this. Um, and so it, it's really a, a judgment or an assumption that someone is um, being overdramatic or that they are reacting in a way that's inappropriate to a situation. Because at the end of the day, we can't really sit back and define how, how intense is their emotional experience at this moment, right? Mm-hmm. And so when we start to jump in and get into the debate as to whether or not you feel emotion at an X number intensity, 
we, we kind of are doing that same thing where we're starting to lose scope of the, the bigger issue in that moment. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and the bigger issue in that moment for, for, you know, your teen is that something is happening for them that is very important and they would like other people to be aware of just how important this is for them. And they don't have the skills to be able to send that message to someone to feel connected, to feel understood, to feel like somebody's got their back and really gets them mm-hmm. in any other way than this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we, t- mm-hmm. we take a second. That's, you know, that, that feels really helpless, right? Think about mm-hmm. it as an adult when in, in feeling like your voice all of a sudden was gone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you wanted to communicate something, but there wasn't a way for you to do it. And you're feeling mm-hmm. it. You know mm-hmm. that something is happening. You may even be confused about the experience and not really mm-hmm. know for sure what is happening. You mm-hmm. just know that other people, for some reason or another, they don't seem to see it the same way as you do. Or maybe some people do, but not everyone does. And you don't really have a way to talk about it. You don't really have a way to, to communicate. Um, maybe you guys have been in a situation, maybe you're playing a game, maybe um you know, you think about all of these um, different yard games that happen and, you know, maybe you have your hands tied behind your back or um, you're not allowed to talk during the activity. And, you know, take a second and think about what that really feels like. That can feel pretty helpless. It can feel pretty lonely. Um, when your teen is, is having these moments of being over dramatic, really, that's what's happening for them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A lot of questions yes. around intimacy. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's like a Hail Mary, if you will. Yeah. You know, they're just taking a shot. But, 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 and, and I think it's so, so, so important for us to break down the, the assumption um, that our teens are doing this on purpose. And so, you know, I, I'm going to th- throw a curveball for you since you love them. You work with teenagers after all. <laughs> And I'm going to pretend I'm a parent, right? You, you know, you, we've been working with these, uh, with, with parents with this neat level of need for years and years and years. And so a parent might say, right, let's, let's, let's think about this. Okay. If my teen can be this cutting autumn, mm-hmm. why can't they be that intentional with, you know, ahead of the time that they're exploding, you know, H- help me. On, I, I don't get it. Right. So let's talk about that. Right. So when we talk about this, I'm going to actually bring you back to a little earlier in the program when I talked about the difference um, in somebody's nervous system from when they are calm and they are collected and um, they have access to their cognitive brain, their thinking brain, um, their conscious brain, right? Versus um, when you are in a fight or flight, when you're experiencing an a, um, and an intense emotion or maybe emotions. I'm going to bring a, keep bringing us back to that concept as well, too. I think that, that we start to get a little limited in our understanding of how many emotions or physical experiences somebody can truly have going on for them at one time. And so when we're making some of these assumptions, we're going off the assumption of we, they were, they were feeling mad, but maybe it wasn't just mad. Maybe there was a lot more going on for them. Right. And so that emotional intensity builds. And in that moment, their brain is not in a place where it is checking in. Does this sound right? Does this fit these other things that, that we've thought or we've talked about previously? It's not mm-hmm. going back. It's not having mm-hmm. those moments. It's not having a moment of 
what's going to be the outcome of what I do right now? How is this going to impact the relationship that I have with my parents? They might not even go further than if I say this to my parents, if I were to use X explicative, right? (laughs) (laughs) Their face, my parents' face is going to turn bright red and I'm going to get screamed at. That might not even happen until the word has already left their mouth and your facial expressions are changing and they're going, oh, and there goes the other one, right? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Because in that moment, just like, you know, anytime your body is in a fight or flight, you're only thinking about the right now. How do I get out of this situation? How do I get these emotions out of my body? How do I not feel like I feel right now? Mm-hmm. Right? Everything becomes about moving yourself away from the current miserable or the, the current um, painful, even um, out of control feeling that they're currently in. And so mm-hmm. in that moment, this explosiveness you guys think about it, we call it word vomit for a reason, right? Explosive, right? That's going to give you a feeling of relief. It's going to give you a feeling that, all right, I just did my job to protect myself. Mm-hmm. Right? Noticing mm-hmm. that. Um, and so in those moments, their, their thinking brain and their body brain, they're just not talking to each other. And so if we set the expectation that they're going to be intentional in the way that they communicate, without them being in control of their emotions, without them having the skills that they need to be less confused about the number of emotions they have, why those emotions are so intense. If we don't give them the information that they need to be able to decrease the intensity of those emotions in the moment to recognize, I just went into my fight or flight. Wait a minute. Is there really a threat here? Mm -hmm. Um, Feels like a threat, but she hasn't killed me yet. So Mm -hmm. maybe right? (laughs) Kind of recognizing that. Mm -hmm. Um, If we don't give them the skills that they need to be able to, once they have that under control, keep it under control, right? By um, using language, by using phrases, they're going to keep them connected. Mm -hmm. And they're going to continue to go on just word vomit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All of these emotions, all of the pain, all of the ish that might be happening for them in that moment onto their parent. And in some ways, looking at their parent and saying, you be responsible for this, you mm-hmm. fix it. Yeah. Because I don't know how. And mm-hmm. you're the person that does that for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so when we see teens who are stuck in this pattern and parents, you know, you're making this assumption that uh, your teen is doing what they know works to get out of the situation, right? It, it, it's a much more complicated process than just what you're seeing in front of you and who you're talking to in front of you, the, the human brain and the the body and, and all of that connection to, to help your teen assess their own problems and solve them creatively, right? Because right now, while their language might be creative, they're not being very creative in trying to solve the problem, right? Um all of those require many, many skills. And, and it's much more complicated than just assuming that your teen is going to, um, you know, if you give them the words to tell you differently what to say, that they'll, that they'll be able to do that right away, right? And so the last myth that I want to cover today is the assumption that if your teen can talk to you like an adult, we covered a little bit about this already, then they can act like an adult. And so when 
Um, and, and by that, I mean, they can cope like an adult with big, with big emotions and they can demonstrate skills like an adult. So let's spend a little bit of time here, but then I want to talk about how to, um, how to break out of this pattern, right? Because we do have a limited time today for, for our conversation, but uh, I want to make sure that parents know exactly what's going to help break out of this pattern too. Yeah. Um, you know what you were just making me think of, Megan? Um, you know, when we, when you have those um, larger sporting events, so let's say like the Olympic Games or a world championship, um, and I'm thinking specifically of like a, a summer event, right? Maybe it's, um, you know, you're, you're a high jumper. <laughs> if it is 76 degrees and the wind is not blowing at all, maybe a little gentle, there's barely any sun, got a little cloud here and there just to keep it just right, mm -hmm. you're going to perform in a very different way than if it is pouring down rain, 20 degrees below the average, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, yeah. Not your prime, not, not your prime climate, right? Or mm -hmm. uh, the environment that is going to be, you know, the, the best for you, right? You're going to get two different um, bests, if mm -hmm. you will, from mm -hmm. an athlete. Mm -hmm. And so I'm using this metaphor to, to kind of set the framework for when your teenager is in prime conditions, they've had enough sleep, they've been eating healthy, uh, or they've been eating at the very least consistently, they're consuming consistent amounts of food throughout their day, and it's food with nutrients, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, they've been laying off the monster drinks or, or the caffeine, right? Yeah. Um, that they, um, you know, have been taking any medications, allergy medications, etc., as prescribed, um, that they have been, you know, being mindful, um, or at the least just taking care of themselves. They're, get, they're getting sleep. Um, they're in a low stress moment, we don't have finals today. SATs were over last night, right? Um, maybe their favorite relative is over and you guys are hanging out and they are presenting themselves like they're five years older. That makes mm -hmm. sense. We got prime mm -hmm. conditions working. Mm -hmm. We are relaxed. We're in that brain state where the cognitive brain is thriving, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's, the emotional intensity isn't there. Now, fast forward, or we could rewind in the case of the example that I just gave. And we've got SATs tomorrow, or we've got SATs on Saturdays. We've got finals um, all day tomorrow. And um, I completely forgot to take my medications for the last two days because I've been super stressed. Um, the only thing that I've eaten in the last eight hours is a, or, you know, six hours is a bag of potato chips and a Coke. Um, yeah. That is not prime conditions, right? for your teen to be to be emotionally regulating mm -hmm. at that in that in that place your teen is going to be doing the best that they can to just exist to just mm -hmm. keep it going right mm -hmm. especially if they are not used to or they don't have the skills already to be able to regulate intense emotions as they come up mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. so in that moment if they don't already have those skills then they're really drowning Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And if they're already drowning, it's going to be really hard to teach them a new skill. But even more importantly, um, it's going to be really hard um, for them to all of a sudden show up and be 
um, you know, acting an age or, or acting with a maturity that just isn't consistent with where their stress level is. Yeah. 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 So for, for, for you as a parent, when you're noticing the fact that you don't want to leave your teen's emotions in the regulation of those emotions and their behavior up to chance, right? Like you, you can't, I mean, today's teenagers are dealing with a lot of stress, a lot of academic pressure, and also, you know, the time of this recording, they're experiencing a pandemic. So there's all kinds of factors in addition to that. But um, there's a, there's a huge component to understand for raising sensitive teens that factors into the the understanding of how their internal processes managing emotions right and highly sensitive teens we know through years and years of research understanding the highly sensitive brain actually perform better than their peers when their relationship with their parents is thoroughly understood when they feel like they're they're uh, connected to their parents when they feel supported by their parents they can actually beat the odds compared to non-highly sensitive teens and so when we think about what works we've talked a lot about what's appropriate what's effective right you need to be able to help your teen notice where um where their skill gaps are and build those systematically you need to be able to give your teen feedback in a way that helps them take it so that they are not spewing vomit at you when they're angry you need to be able to respond and, and rather than react rather than take what their words personally and be able to to uh, gauge your teen's behavior and, and systematically assess change and all of that requires you to to um, also have the skill to do this this playfully right and you yes you can be playful with a teenager <laughs> <laughs> doesn't have to be all talk and all adult uh, conversation. And, and so when we think about being able to break this down in a way that your teenager will take it in, will digest it, will receive it as something that they want to work on uh, with you rather than on their own because they, you know, they've got it, mom, right? Uh, or they don't want to hear it or they have no idea what emotion they're feeling because you've been quizzing them, right? Uh, this takes a lot of work and it does take expert support for many, many parents of sensitive kids. We've seen this consistently over the uh, decade plus that both of us um, individually have been working in this field. And so there is an opportunity for you to be able to have a conversation with one of our coaches um, on our team to really get clear on where you guys are stuck, what you might be struggling with and whether or not we can help. And if that's the case, we break down where you, what your goals are with your teen, what your teen's goals are for them. And we can share with you all about how that works if we decide that it's a good fit. Uh, and that would have to happen on a phone call because we need to know what your teen is thinking, what you're thinking about your problems, and, uh, and, and also decide if there's another appropriate uh, avenue of support that would be better. So we are happy to invite you on a conversation with one of our team members to dive deeper into this problem, to understand what your exact next steps need to be to break out of this pattern. And you'll need to do that by going over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash teen talk. And you'll arrange a time to speak with our one of our coaches. And um, in that conversation, your team will have time, you will have time, and then we'll have time together with, your, with the family, the teen and, and parents. Uh, or parent, depending on the structure of your home. And 
uh, we'll break down where you guys are stuck and, and what goals you have. But obviously, whether or not we can help you uh, has to be decided on a conversation, you know, because we, obviously we have to build trust with your team as well, if that is the right fit, in addition to understanding for you what your expectations are for your team and if we can help you get there. So obviously, we are happy to have those conversations. It's free. There's no risk involved in that respect. And uh, feel free to, to reach out and, and book that call and have that conversation. Because the, the hardest part about parenting a teenager is trying to do it in a vacuum, right? Yeah. 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 Hardest part about parenting a, te- a, a teenager is not having your own support system. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. It's such a tricky time. Yeah. We, we, we were all there once. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> okay. So thank you for, for tuning in today. We'll catch you on the next show and we'll have, uh, we look forward to having a conversation with you soon. Bye. Thank you for joining me on this episode of How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. We release a brand new episode every week, so be sure to click subscribe. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in seeing if you're a fit to work with us at MTC, here's what I want you to do next. Head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call and book an appointment with our team. We'll get on the phone for about 60 minutes and we'll get you clarity on where you're stuck in parenting your sensitive child or teen what your goals are for supporting your child's development. And if we can help you, we'll get you started on knowing exactly what to do to eliminate that meltdown cycle. Eliminating the daily meltdown cycle does not happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make it happen. And we've helped hundreds of clients from all over the world end that cycle in as little as eight weeks. So to see if we can help you do the same, head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call. I'm Megan Thompson. And we look forward to speaking to you soon.